0: This is Delicious Revolution, a show about food.
1: You know, a lot of people know about Cuba's internationalist policies in healthcare, where they educate people from all over the world, doctors, and send them out, but people don't really know that Cuba's doing that in other areas, such as sustainable agriculture. There are people from hundreds of different countries that are training there, and in the Agrarian University, We met people from all over the world, and everybody there was really focused on a particular aspect of agriculture that they felt would help their communities in some way. Very
2: specific, not just going to a university and learning about farming or learning about sustainable farming, but learning about specific agroecological, organic, as much as possible approaches to specific issues that they could bring that education back home and have an impact on, or at least work with others that can create a plan for something that will would change, you know.
0: Delicious Revolution is a show about food, culture, and place, made by Chelsea Wills and me, Devin Sampson. We talk with people who work in and think about all aspects of the food movement, including farmers, chefs, artists, and activists, and who have a vision for a different food system. This first season of Delicious Revolution, we talk to friends who are deeply engaged with many aspects of food and who have inspired us over years with their thoughts and stories. You can subscribe to Delicious Revolution on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, and you can find us at deliciousrevolutionshow.com. So, when I think of the two of you, I
3: can't help but think about... Places and wild and cultivated places as part of your story together. When did this start, and what's
1: your fascination with that? Well, I think I would probably defer a little bit to Pete because I, my journey is probably from an urban landscape, growing up in St. Louis, Missouri, coming to school at UC Santa Cruz and sort of being introduced in a way to nature and outdoors and farming, that was all very new to me, I would say. Um, and Pete and I met sort of at the end of our college experience. And at that point, Pete was already pretty into farming and had started Sand Hill Farms. Um, and I just kind of came to visit on the farm and slowly, you know, got interested and started um, kinda learning about agriculture through him.
2: And I mean, I think it's interesting too to that Santa Cruz was a a spot where, you know, we met and but we were also in our early years in college, like that was a spot that opened both of us up to thinking in new ways about farming. Thinking in new ways about food. It was it was for me it was like a it was a transformative time because of the peers that I surround myself with because of the culture that existed at that time and at that university. Um, And, you know, and so it was, it was definitely the, I went to UC Santa Cruz to get a degree in marine biology and very quickly like transform that into food systems and sustainable agriculture and, and spending time at the farm. And when it became, you know, Clear that there was an opportunity that I could actually farm, based on some of the things that I would learned in my time at Santa Cruz and some of the ideas that I had been opened up to. But um, that I had the land, you know, that my parents had happened to have land. That uh, that's kind of become a canvas for a lot of the different things that I feel Katie and I have ended up collaborating on recently. So it was like the, that having land having a piece of you know three or four acres of land to ground into every season um and get creative and have that earthly connection that was yeah that's something that really has become a a jumping off board um for katie and i in our collaborative projects and they've they've focused on agriculture in many ways but, but but beyond that too into into you know the culture that is a place um
3: well, maybe let's start there, because I read, as I've been preparing for these podcasts, I've been reading about my friends online, which is, like, a pretty funny thing to be doing, um, and one of, one of the things I found, Pete, was an article about you and starting the farm as a thesis project, right? So it was, like, a, an experiment in sustainable business, and um, it was to see if you could actually put all these theoretical things you were learning about into action, so, maybe you could maybe you could explain what that was like to start that and what that
2: okay looked sure. Like. and I'll maybe even go go backwards from from where you led off with the question and start kind of right now and looking back to that because that's been um, it's been almost 10 years almost, 10, yeah. almost a decade basically since I originally thought up the concept of writing my thesis about my you know, 18-month exper- experimental process trying to grow vegetables at 5,000 feet in the Wasatch Mountains for my community. And, and to look back at it, you know, now it's like, okay, I think I'm ready to revise that, <laughs> that thesis and, and put in some, you know, experiential um, knowledge that I've had back into that structure that I created about, you know, what it means to create a sustainable business through farming. And I think that this has been the first year now that I have a one-year-old son that uh the concepts of soil fertility and long-term soil care um you know the concepts of seed saving uh, and microclimate creation through hoop houses and low-tech you know solutions to altering growing space and climate and and what that do- does to your marketability you know all those things i've learned a huge huge amount of since i came up with that idea of of Having my studies in college focus on um, that question of how to sustain you know my livelihood and my family through through farming you know on a piece of land on a yearly basis so uh, yeah the 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 idea for that thesis was pretty personal you know I think that's kind of how I try to make my education and my in my life is like personalizing the the experience and the in the learning and For me, that was kind of like a the thesis was kind of a recap on my life in a lot of ways, like reflecting on a little all the different things that have influenced me to be passionate about what I happen to find myself passionate in now, and why and where that comes from, and um, and how I can sustain that, you know. Um, And that's what my thesis kind of became was a little honoring of all the friends and the teachers along the way that have kind of influenced me, and then. Like I said, kind of the framework of okay, you have four acres of land that you happen to buy or lease, inherit, trade for. So you know, you come upon what? It, what are some of the main components for creating a small-scale farm there? Um, and that's still the experiment that's happening a decade later. You know, but I'm 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 ready for a revised edition.
3: Do you remember? I'm just curious, like what the question or the thesis statement was. <laughs> hmm. I guess I don't. Because, I, I mean, I guess for me that begs the question, like, does it work?
2: Right. Can you do it? Right. Yeah, I mean, the the, the title was was uh, Homegrown Revolution, Small-Scale Vegetable Production um, uh, for the community. I think it wasn't and
1: that heavy on the business side, was it?
2: No. No, because
1: no. now at this point, like you were saying, with a kid, I feel like that... Um, really, like, crunching those numbers has become a reality. Like, is this possible to grow food and have this be our, like, what sustains us and what enables us to live the lives that we want to live? And I think at that stage, it was more, like, a lot of idealism around just, like, the best way to live in harmony with, you know, um, your community and with nature. And now it's, like, okay, and... The money-making end has become very real and so it's I, I would say that that yeah. has been happening but was um you know uh really I would say the focus of this season more so than any other season is a financial piece and I think that like from my perspective the ruling is not out yet on whether it is possible to really make a living Pete is very convinced that it is <laughs>
2: I, have, I have a lot of people to prove about my my theories of productivity on you know, per square foot basis on a one and a half acre farm. But I also know that there's models out there now that I'm learning about that I'm really excited, um, exist, you know, to have role models in, in agriculture. I feel like I asked Katie, you know, like I'm up late night watching YouTube videos on JM.
1: He's got a new hero.
2: And, uh, you know, it's like, that's hugely changing my outlook on that end. You know, it's like I studied agroecology at UC Santa Cruz and agroecology, as I embraced it in college, was about the intricacies of the interconnectedness of life, you know, of community, of the social aspects, of food, of culture, um, of soil biology, you know, of all these things. But when I wrote this thesis and when I d- began to like understand more about agroecology, it was about all those interconnectedness pieces, minus the financials minus the the financial viability part that's very much part of the definition of sustainable agriculture is that you know economically viable part and but that was something that either wasn't focused on in my classes that I had I had no reason at the time to to know that I had to have in-depth planting schedules with in-depth excel sheet you know understanding yeah, and calculations another
1: thing and- that w- that really made it um, you know just Uh, unique for you and would be very different for other people that were like you know reading that thesis or listening to this and potentially wanting to embark was that he had land to start out with which was his family's land which is you know one of the biggest obstacles for farmers just to get that piece of land so he could kind of start experimenting rent free and doing that so I think that's another reason why the the money making wasn't like at such the forefront and it was kind of like a part-time thing, he was working other jobs and not necessarily trying to make that his entire career at that point. Exactly. So. I think
3: I want to come back to this because I think yeah. there's a lot, um, there's a lot to be said about going from this place of wanting to do something in the world and passion and idealism to um, what like the weave of your life looks like with it. And I really want to hear about how that works for both of you. But I want to hear a little bit more about how Katie came to start telling stories about farmers and farms and maybe you can even start in India. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah I mean I think as I hear Pete talking and then even like the focus of this podcast is like I'm not somebody that identifies as like my um, that my knowledge or passions are in agriculture or farming at all it really has fallen into me but my interest and passion has always been in culture and so in our collaboration it's kind of been agriculture as a as a new lens for me into culture so um you know when I was in India doing my undergrad work my focus there was really in um working with women and um kind of documenting the aftermath of the tsunami and some of the um rehabilitation projects that were happening and sort of documenting the process of rebuilding there and really listening to people's stories of, um, trauma and, you know, kind of, um, processing, you know, what was lost and then looking at the international communities and sort of like what, um, you know, what good was being done and what harm was being done. So, um, that's kind of always been an interest for me or like cultural collisions And I find that, like, everywhere I go in the world, um, I see those cultural collisions happening. And I'm really somebody that, like, believes in um, the power of, you know, bringing um, knowledge from cultures and bringing people together. And I'm also, um, you know, I think through my experience have seen, um, you know, sometimes some of the backlash that happens there, too. Um, but I continue to be inspired with working globally. And I think that something Pete and I, um, it feels like our point of collaboration really comes um, in moments where we can merge our, um, what, uh, our kind of love for um, learning from people and, um, you know, kind of tying that into the land. And so I feel like Pete really um, is connected to a particular place in Utah where he's made the farm and really knows that land with a deep knowledge that is um, ancestral in a way. He has generations there, and um, he really always connects with people when we travel that have been on pieces of land and um, have sort of collected uh, techniques and knowledge of their Crop or, you know, what they're doing. So I think that that's been a point that's, you know, interested me. And, um, you know, when we were in Cuba, what's going on? (laughs) It's having an emotional experience. Um, For me, going to Cuba was really like the first time that we put our collaborative (laughs) passions to practice because I was really interested in the culture of Cuba. I had danced and done Afro-Cuban dance and studied a little bit um, about the Cuban Revolution and was just interested from a different standpoint. And Pete sort of introduced um, the or told me about what was happening in agriculture in Cuba. And um, as I put together, you know, some ideas for um, my thesis project, I was really thinking, like, How can we collaborate on this? And I thought, um, you know, that working related to agriculture could be a really powerful way just to travel the country and talk to farmers and learn, you know, um, more than just sort of technical things about what people were doing in Cuba when it comes to agriculture, but really understand the culture and the history behind that. So I think that, like, I see my... Um, You know, in our collaboration together, I really see my role as being like the, um, yeah, like the cultural, social piece of the puzzle um, or that that's what I'm often thinking about. In relation, like I don't listen as much when people are talking about technical things. Pete's really interested on that level of like how this irrigation system works, but I'm kind of more interested in, um, you know, maybe a story about how their grandfather figured that out, and you know, something like that. So, um, but yeah, I I think that that um, that's kind of been our. That's been the nature of a lot of the projects that we've worked on together. And, um, you know, I'm still figuring out, uh, you know, how to share the stories that we've come across. And I'm, you know, I'm really interested in continuing to do that work as like a documentarian and storyteller. so.
3: So let's back up a little because I think part of the magic of having known you guys for a long time is that you travel a lot and you come back and you share these stories of all these people you've met and all these stories you've heard and I remember once sitting down with Katie and hearing her talk about Pete coming to visit her in Brazil and how he gave away all his money and had ten new friends and they were stuck somewhere in the middle of nowhere and yet they like, managed to get a ride back to wherever they were staying which is you know, so much a part of your being in the world is that you, you um, you do find friends wherever you are and you do kind of seek out stories. And at least from the outside, you know, this bike trip that you took after your wedding is your, I think it started out kind of as a honeymoon and then somewhere or maybe during the whole thing was a research trip that ultimately led you to Cuba where you were collecting stories and taking pictures and learning, and envisioning your life it feels to me like part of the story of going from imagining to this part of weaving the fabric of your lives together is can you talk about i'm interested in that in a little bit more of a personal way and also how that how those technical things came to your farm what that f- felt like to go find farmers along the way and hear their stories and how katie bringing her camera helped bring those stories out or i don't know what is that what has that been like What does that continue to be like?
2: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I can touch on that for a moment. I mean, one thing that you can't tell with a podcast, I guess, is is you can't see facial expressions on this. And like, I was, you know, teared up to the point of almost not being able to like say anything a minute ago. And I was just listening to Katie talk about, you know, kind of this this challenger amazing opportunity in life or whatever you want to call it to to collaborate you know with your partner and like what work that takes you know it's it's one thing to to be focused on what you're passionate about and to be focused on what you love and to be focused on on how to make that financially viable you know for your for your life and all those factors but then also you know if you have the, the fortune to be, you know, with somebody in your life that you want to ride the whole wave with, you know, then there's that other layer of like balancing it all together with your partner, you know, and like making it your, your life's work in some way, either beautifully collaborate with or enhance in some way the life and the life's work of your partner, you know, and that's if, if that can happen. Wow, that's that's magic. You know, that's like that's what we're trying to get towards you know
1: well and i think that you kind of like caught us in this moment like we've just arrived back in santa cruz after a very full challenging amazing season on the farm and um it's kind of been like one of the first times where you know um we're struggling to figure out how to put all the pieces together and um you know, I think that, in some ways, collaborating earlier in our lives was easier than it is now. And I think we still have like aspirations to figure out how to make the collaboration happen, but also like we get frustrated with people easier. It's like we used to be able to like sit down and really like work on like the film project together, and now sometimes we're just like, can I even write?" an email because we're like <laughs> arguing about how to like word a sentence but I think that that happens with collaboration like a partnership is like you have to keep working through these obstacles and like the more you know each other that you know the more potential there is to create something really amazing but it's challenging too so you know at this time um, like I'm getting ready to launch a project of my own here in santa cruz and pete has the farm so we're kind of doing our own things but of course we're always involved in each other's projects so that's also a moment why it's interesting for us to reflect on these times where we did have these true collaborations i think that's why he's emotional is because we've been kind of like dreaming up how to make that happen again but it's harder now with a kid and with other factors but anyway to go back to cuba for one second and just talk a little bit about that because um you know, I think that, uh, we started out with the idea of going to, like, we both really wanted to go to Cuba. And at the time Cuba was closed. Um, and so we found a educational trip that was around sustainable agriculture through global exchange. And, um, that was, that was kind of like our door into Cuba. And we, um, had also had this experience of doing a bike trip on our on a tandem bike. And so we um you know, we thought that the tandem was just like symbolic of our um, <laughs> he's crying and like having really emotional time. Um yeah the riding the tandem bike is like the ultimate um metaphor for a relationship. So like uh we thought that would be a good test for us. And was, so we I'm took... laughing at how
2: many times I can remember that you that would like get off of the bike and be like, I'm walking. I'm never going to get back on yeah. this thing again. It was happened.
1: Like
2: definitely a a test in like a very physical way. It wasn't like some metaphorical like test. Like, okay, can you guys ride a bike together through like downtown streets of Havana and into like 50 mile an hour headwind on the going the wrong direction on the, Atlantic coast.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Pacific. Oh, yeah, Atlantic. So the trip was, for the listeners, we, um, for our wedding gift, we got a tandem bike from all of our wedding guests who bought pieces of the bike. And then we headed down the coast of California and um, took about two months to do that. We took our time going down the coast of California and just that was kind of like a fun adventure, and then we had this trip with Global Exchange that we had signed up for. It's um, a research delegation, so we embarked on that. Um, we flew from San Diego, and we went to Cuba, and that was our first time in Cuba. And the delegation was just ten days, and it was really informative, but it's also very contained. Like they, you know, are very controlling about what they show tourists and don't show tourists, and you know, the government has to approve everything. And so we got a little window into Cuba, but then we decided to stay for another um, month and a half, which is what our visa would allow. And we traveled by bike. And at that time, we really got to see real Cuba and what was really happening on the ground. And, you know, we kind of didn't have such a strict plan, but we knew we wanted to see farmers, you know, that that was kind of going to be our lens into the country was to look at agriculture. And so we would just follow, like, one farmer we'd meet, and they would say, oh, if you're going in that direction, you should check out this person's farm. And so it kind of became um, a little bit of, like, a journey um, circumnavigating the island and um, And and talking to farmers. And then, yeah.
2: I was going to say it was very fluid, the format of that trip. You know, it was, like you said, our honeymoon merging into our you know kind of intercultural you know communication research in terms of the potential of in the future leading trips with students from the universities where we spent time or or family groups even um, and but it was very fluid it was like one person we'd visit a organic pony code just outside of Havana that Gave us like directions in our on our map of exactly the next organic ponyco that we had to see and check out their like composting setup and like very specific, you know, networking of of farmers and and so and two things kind of fascinated me I guess about this trip in terms of Katie and my relation and our collaboration was that for one. What did fascinate me about Cuba was the network of the farmer-to-farmer exchanges. You know the the different organizations, ANAP, the um, National Organization for Small-Scale Farmers, uh, different entities that really their focus was on bringing farmers together to share skills and a horizontal platform uh, from farmer to farmer, sharing experiences. Uh, that was something that really clicked to me that wow they got that's that's agriculture innovation figured out is creating the system for farmers to communicate with each other and share best practices and share inspirations and challenges and even equipment and um and the second part about that trip was seeing how katie and i could work together you know it was it was our honeymoon so it was fluid and it was fun and there weren't any real um important objectives that we were trying to accomplish but at the same time like like katie said i'm into the technical thing so we pull over on our bike and see something happening that's unique and i get the farmer kind of excited that we care and that we want to listen and then they invite us in for coffee and then we're immediately like staying in that community for the next week or something
1: and i think yeah it is like something that's different than like me just approaching and saying, like, oh, hi, I'm doing a film about, you know, agriculture in Cuba is, like, people, especially, like, rural people, and, they, you know, they feel very timid, and that's very uncomfortable, and unfamiliar, but when, you know, we pull up, I mean, obviously, we're an oddity already, you know, um, two Americans pulling up on, like, a bright turquoise tandem bicycle filled with stuff, so people in the towns were always fascinated by us but then to hear like oh that he's a farmer and he's knowledgeable and he grows the same things it's like an immediate point of connection that like um you know that you don't have if you're just a journalist kind of approaching uh so i feel like that um it there really is like a different person-to-person connection that happens and it's not you know it's not false like pete is sincerely so interested in what um, people are doing in farming and like i said i'm I'm interested in that but I'm also just interested to see how people are living their lives and how the communities work so we really um
2: but that's what I'm saying is that it's a, i sensed then that our partnership like had good balance yeah you know uh, be because of all those reasons that you're just you know you're just saying there was like this this kind of these different forms that we took when we we're interacting with with people that just they work together, you know, and the, yes, I had the agricultural interest and in, in inside, but also having a camera and a you know a microphone and a headset and like having a, a five year old kid like listen to the you know be the audio technician while you're they're doing the interview with his grandpa, you know, and you're like asking him questions in your broken Spanish about like his toy truck or whatever it's like there's multiple layers of connecting that, that happened or that happened, you know, that was, I think enabled some of the work that we did, you know, to, to be enhanced too, is because we, we were able to create kind of a well-rounded, um, relation with the people that we were interested in learning from.
3: You know, and from an audience or an audience and a friend perspective, it's like, that's the thing that I can see really follow through in your relationship is that, um, you find that balancing point with each other quite often, and oftentimes it's around food, and land, and people talking about places. And um, I know that as you, I'd love to hear more about the film and hear about how that happened. But I know that as you worked on that, uh, Pete played like a plethora of roles while Katie. While well, that was really Katie's project and her her vision there, um, but that you you have managed throughout your collaboration to kind of insert yourselves into each other's projects. I'm sure sometimes in ways that don't work, but lots of times in ways that seem like they work really well, and that I think that's what long-term collaboration actually looks like. It's never equal, right? There's always this unevenness. You're always navigating that point of engagement with each other. So maybe let's talk a little bit about Guajiros. And Katie, that was your that was your master's thesis we're
1: talking a lot about thesis on this podcast yeah that um so you know coming back from our experience in Cuba and we actually went back um two more times and continued to you know kind of just talk to farmers in kind of an informal way and i thought that um at that time i was just doing photography And I really felt like i so inspired by hearing the actual words that people said and really seeing movement. And I really wanted to branch into film. And I also felt like I needed the support and structure of some other kind of entity in order to really execute that. I felt like I had kind of reached the limits of what we could do on our own. So um, the graduate program at UC Santa Cruz in social documentation sort of formed that structure for me. And um, we had already been collecting and building a lot of relationships with farmers, so it felt natural to go back and do a project about agriculture in Cuba. And as it, we started to develop that idea, um, Pete had the opportunity to travel down for a um, delegation. What was the name of that delegation?
2: It was the. Third or fourth annual Agroecology, National Agroecology Delegation wow. in Cuba.
1: And on that trip, do you want to talk about meeting Ernst?
2: Sure, yeah. So
1: the way back up, why'd you go?
2: Yeah, um, I went because, um, well, I knew I was kind of in a, the timing of it, I was in a transition period, almost like I'm entering into now, of between ending a farm season searching for winter winter work, being excited about the whole season of farming that I just kinda of wrapped up and put to bed under a blanket of mulch and to say goodnight until the following spring. And, you know, we had just we had just um
1: I had just started my program. Katie had
2: just started her program and we had been talking about, you know, how do we sh- how do we shape and, and mold our our the stories that we want to tell in Cuba into katie's thesis project and and i think the plan was originally that we were both gonna go yeah and and the timing didn't line up with with school quarters and and stuff like that and so i ended up going as a a representative of the team and um yeah it was i think there was 38 or 39 countries represented from latin america and the caribbean and um and, yeah, I think it was just one of the second or third days I got to talking with this man, uh, Ernst Jean-Baptiste, and, and we just got talking about why we're in Cuba. And he was explaining to me that he had just started um, a four-year program at the Agrarian University of Havana focused in agroecology, and um, I think it was his first year. And really excited. All he could talk about was wanting to get back to Haiti as soon as he could, to share what he's been learning about food production on a small scale without chemicals and without you know mechanized machinery and we just started talking and I told him about you know the fact that Katie and I had spent time in Cuba we were really passionate as well about sharing the story um, of Cuba's kind of transformation in food production with other farmers and other growers and other people in in the states and he, I remember he said something like well come and you know come and tell my tell my story and so that's I mean that was like the very first kind of contact that we had and we kept in touch for almost a year and a half before we actually saw him again
1: yeah well and so Pete came back from that delegation and he was talking about all different kinds of things they had visited all these farms and you know just kind of casually mentioning Aaron's to what he had met and um, you know just had really clicked with as a friend and, you know, um, talking about him, you know, the project that he wanted to start back in Haiti and that he was studying there and something just kind of clicked for me that this was, um, a story and a character that I thought would be really powerful for, um, showing some of the, um, you know, uh, showing some of the points about, what Cuba is doing that I found to be most important and to really show it through this different kind of lens because something about Cuba is that a lot of people look at Cuba under a microscope and sort of feel like what happens there is an anomaly because it's been so isolated and has had kind of such a unique social, cultural, historical um, place that what happens there can't be applied anywhere else. So I was really interested in like what, what does Cuba? What can we learn from Cuba, and what potential does that have for other places, and particularly other third world countries? Um, and so I thought that um, the idea that you know a lot of people know about Cuba's internationalist policies in healthcare, where they educate people from all over the world, doctors, and send them out, but people don't really know that Cuba is doing that in other areas, such as sustainable agriculture. There are people from hundreds of different countries that are training there and at the agrarian university um we met people from all over the world from you know um you know just countries throughout latin america africa asia north america and everybody there was really focused on a particular aspect of um of agriculture that they felt would help their communities in some way very
2: specific topics too like this one woman was studying integrated pest management for a certain um, larvae that infected corn crops in her in soto. yeah and she was like figuring out learning her thesis was focused on everything she could possibly learn about organic approaches to controlling different you know illnesses or um, insect you know issues that you can have in corn and, and, yeah, like Katie was saying, they were all very specific to not just going to a university and learning about farming or learning about sustainable farming, but learning about specific agroecological, organic, as much as possible approaches to specific issues that they could bring that education back home and have an impact on, or at least work with others that can create a plan for something that will, would change, you know. Uh, really fascinating.
1: And so in Aaron's case... He's from Jacques Mel, which has historically been um, a tourist part of Haiti, and um, you know, had some. He was actually in Cuba when the earthquake hit. Um, So, Jacques Mel felt a lot of the ripples of the earthquake, um, literally, and you know, just um, was devastated in different ways. So, he really wanted to focus on creating some kind of program and really introducing sustainable agriculture to his community, but tying in tourism in some way um, to make that economically viable and really bring the youth in. And, um, like, a lot has been lost in agriculture um, in Haiti due to uh, big business and foreign aid. And so he really was in a mindset of, like, um, you know, bring Haiti back to the Haitians and, you know, really wanted like farmers to lead the way and, um, and growing their own food there. So he was a really interesting character to me and I had never met him, but we talked on Skype and, you know, shared emails and he said, yes, I definitely want to be part of the film. And we lined up all these things (laughs) and we, you know, um, my program was very character-driven in terms of documentary, so I really planned to make him my central character. And uh, we landed in Havana, called him on the phone, couldn't get through, phone doesn't exist, day two, couldn't get through, phone doesn't exist, Call the university. Call. Finally, like, head out to um, San Jose de las Lajas, which is about, like, an hour outside of Havana to the Agrarian University, and we're just kind of like...
2: Wandering the hallway. Do you know
1: any Haitians, like, to the guard at the university gate? And he's like, oh, yeah, all the Haitians live in that dorm. And sure enough, we, you know, someone walks down the hall, like, you know, Ernst, and we get to his door. He's like, oh, my gosh, I've been waiting for you. And we're like, your phone is dead. Where have you been? We're here with all this equipment. And we had... Um, you know, a bunch of obstacles in getting off the ground with that. And and so Welbury was his roommate also from Haiti, from um, Capetia, in a different region. And he was, like, had his own very interesting story. And um, they both uh, were just about to graduate from this program and were really thinking about, you know, what how they were going to take their education back to Haiti. So at that time, we were we traveled all over the island and, um, you know, with and Welbury and talked to farmers and they're really idealistic about bringing these ideas from Cuba back to Haiti. And my plan was to continue the doctor documentary in Haiti. And I still would like to do a follow-up with them. We're in touch quite a bit, but, um, we haven't filmed with them, but really it was about, you know, the Cuba part was a, a lot of idealism and then returning to Haiti has been a lot of reality check and really, um, you know, they faced a lot of challenges and really trying to launch their projects and, um, get things going in terms of, um, you know, some of the farmer training programs and inspiration from this like farmer to farmer model that they really want to help implement in Haiti. So it's been a couple years. And, um, like I said, I would love to really do an update on the film, but that's kind of the story of the, you know, at least initially of the documentary.
3: I think there's a lot of different directions I could go with talking about that. Um, I really want to hear more about this time with the farm and what you guys are envisioning for the next few things in your life and where you see collaboration happening. And um, for some reason, like, farmer to farmer stories feel really involved with that to me i know katie you're going tonight to film something about farm workers at pie ranch mm-hmm. just up highway one and maybe you're back in santa cruz for four days so maybe we can talk about what's next and
2: sure yeah i mean i think it's definitely like that's a question we're kind of asking at this seaside table right here in our dining room as well is like you know I think that for me this farm season you know is challenging in many ways and educational in many more ways and um, and it's still it's still happening you know (laughs) I got 90,000 more clothes to plant before the snow falls and plenty more winter squash and potatoes to pull so my mind is still kind of in the logistical um and financial realms of the farm season and you You
3: fly back there tonight i'm driving through
2: through the desert with with uh, brother john moran so we're gonna have a you know a good good adventure out there and and get some good harvesting done right away when we land but um yeah so i'm kind of in that transition time like i said of like reflecting on what the farm season has been for us as a as a couple and as a family now and and individually and for the farm and the business uh, kind of reflecting on what this 2015 season has been and and then starting that creative process of like okay how do we apply that's every year that's what it is is like how you apply the the magic part you know the part that really was efficient and and flowing and and economically viable and all those things how to apply those seamlessly into the start of the next growing season so for me that's what the winter is is like
0: um you know organization
2: equals success you know like that's kind of where my my mind is in terms of the farm creatively um but yeah, it's it's like that that exciting time to reflect and then get creative again and i think that for me and I can't help it that's in the Wasatch Mountains, you know, in Utah, and I'm open to it being in another place, even though my heart, I can't lie, is, is connected there to those, you know, rural Utah northern mountains. Um, I want to keep figuring out how I can farm to support my family. You know, thats it's what I love to do. It's what makes me feel healthy and makes me feel like I'm excited to do it the next day and the next month and the next year so. I'm going to continue getting, focusing on that financial side you know and that um, business plan side and, and get serious about the numbers so that the excitement and the enjoyment of the rest of what farming is can unfold you know um, as it needs to for the growing season. And then for our collaboration, you know I think that I think that there's a lot of directions that it can go, but one that I think we're both excited about is the idea of, of having a site. A location where we can host um gatherings of 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 young farmers small-scale farmers international farmers farmers that can come and, and tell stories and be have their stories heard and recorded in unique ways and um and have outlets for you know for them to interact with the community that they're visiting um and have and have some kind of exchange um be possible and and that's still taking shape you know and it's still in the in the visioning and dreaming stage but um, I know that that's that people to people sharing of knowledge and information and, and heart garden you know stories that's the part that I know is it connects us both to what we love about food and farming you know so
1: well and I think that um, this sort of um, tension that currently exists, um, that you may hear is just that rural Utah is not where I want to be. I love the farm and, um, I love so many things about it, but as I said, I'm really so fascinated by culture and I really thrive on, um, diversity and, um, and just community and so where the farm is located happens to be in a very rural mormon valley and i find that i don't have the same connection to that place that i have in other places so we've that's kind of been a um something for us that we're trying to figure out is how can we be there on the farm but still have these you know pieces that really stimulate us and you know and also our like it's not totally fulfilling to just farm very high end organic food for an elite customer, but to really somehow um, do that farming work and have it have um, a larger impact and, um, you know, participate in a project that really um, is working towards you know bringing like making healthy food accessible to people and also like um spreading knowledge of sustainable agriculture to people in places where maybe um it's not at this time so i think that the idea of potentially um we've made quite a few amazing connections around the world um and really have talked about Um, doing like a farmer to farmer exchange and having that land be um, a site for that. And so that's something that excites me and potentially bringing, um, you know, a documentary piece into that um, process and really like having people um, share their stories and, you know, um, working with youth and, you know, we already work with several youth groups in that area that, do media projects and things. So I feel like that's the piece where I want to tie in. But yeah, we're just kind of figuring that out. And um, like, as I was telling you earlier, I feel like the experience of our lives so far has really been like, to have the clarity of purpose and project. And then it really feels like um, we can achieve it. But when you know we don't have that piece of clarity, then it's harder. And so I think that right now Pete has a very clear vision for the farm and he's very confident and passionate about what he's doing at Santel Farms. And so I as in our partnership I just wanna encourage him in that and I'm working to kind of find My clarity and like stay true to my vision and my dreams in places where they intersect with his and then places where maybe they don't so that's sort of the moment that you find us in um you know as pete is headed back to the farm for a week and i'm gonna be here in santa cruz with the baby and just kind of like figuring out what the next um chapter looks like but it's exciting it does feel exciting and that there's a lot of potential
3: well thanks so much guys that's great and good luck it sounds, like, it sounds like you're doing it, it sounds like you're making it happen and that's not always easy or predictable what that looks <laughs> like so keep up the good work thank you and how can we, how can we follow along what, what are ways that we can know what you're up to, how can we buy garlic Pete
2: ok that's, a, that's an easy one um, garlic is on our website and yeah, that's at sandhillfarms.org um and yeah i always like random garlic text messages to my personal cell phone is 801-866-3620 um, uh, emails garlic questions are always welcome and uh, we Instagram. Also, we're also
1: Pete loves Instagram to post pictures of garlic and our son
2: exclusively. No <laughs> other genre of photos exist, um, but that's Sandhill Farms, Utah.
1: <laughs> Great, uh, and and my website is Katie Grainy Photography, and yeah, there should be some exciting new things going up on there this year, but I don't know what yet. So
3: perfect, then we'll put all of those links to be somehow in the text with with (laughs) this podcast, so I'll make sure that those are included. Thanks so much, guys. Oh, thank you.
0: Delicious Revolution is a show about food, culture, and place produced by Chelsea Wills and me, Devin Sampson. You can subscribe to Delicious Revolution on iTunes, or your favorite podcast app, and you can find us at deliciousrevolutionshow.com. You can get in touch with us there too. If you like Delicious Revolution and you want to help our show reach more people, please leave us a review on iTunes and send out a link on your favorite social network. Thanks for listening.